This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Good morning, my friends and neighbors, and welcome to Deep South Dining. I am here with Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol Puckett. Hey, Mal. How are you? I'm good. I'm down here in the basement. Continuation. I'm, I'm up here in the closet. It's the continuation of the shelter in place, but uh, hopefully that is drawing near with uh, any good hope. How are you uh, withstanding Cristobal? Cristobal, as some Cristobal. people call it. Cristobal. Well, I think Cristobal hopefully is fizzing out today, but um, I'm withstanding it pretty good. But w- we had a couple of power outages this weekend out in the country and, you know, got through that creatively. I even, you know, cooked cooked dinner and just kind of went on trucking. Well, that's good. I heard from a bunch of my coast friends this morning. Uh, it seems as though mostly flooding, a lot of low-lying areas. Uh, I'm worried about the dunes and the sea oats uh, on the beaches oh, yeah. down in Bay St. Louis and uh, Waveland. Past Christiane, I hear they took a pretty good beating, but, uh, you know, uh, all things considered. I believe this is our third name storm of the very short season, so we always have to be tuned in uh, to hurricane season. So uh, what have you been cooking? What would you cook over the weekend, Carol? Well, I've been cooking a lot. As you know, the farmer's markets are flooded with vegetables. So I pretty much had a tomato fest and a squash fest because there are many, many squashes out there. So uh-huh. How about you? I haven't yet been to a farmer's market, uh, although I did have my first bacon, mayo, and tomato sandwich uh, yesterday. Uh, it was not uh, a farmer's market tomato, and I was sorry about that, but I hope to make it this weekend. Uh, in terms of squashes uh, and, and vegetables, I've planted a lot of that. Um, I kind of planted late, so my plants are a little small, but I have planted watermelon and uh, two different kinds of squashes and some uh, cucumbers and some peppers and some eggplant. So I hope to uh, have some of that very soon right Sounds here in like my you'll own yard. Some, a ratatouille. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kara did make a beautiful custard over the weekend. She made a vanilla uh, coconut uh, custard and then put it into a beautiful frame with some fruit. And I took the leftover custard and, and experimented with something I've been interested in lately, which is the combination of banana and coffee. I know that sounds weird, but I made a banana, coffee, cream, uh, and custard uh, dessert with vanilla wafers, which was pretty, pretty darn good. Well, I saw the picture of her dessert on our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping. And as I recall, it had peaches and berries. Yeah, it had, had white peaches, which were just delicious and uh, juicy uh, and were really at their prime ripeness, combined with uh, a layer of strawberries on the bottom uh, of the dish and filled with custard, again, uh, just a, a fine custard, an egg custard with coconut and, uh, and vanilla. 
Well, the cooking and coping Facebook page has been really entertaining for the past week to see so many people yet doing different versions of vegetables. And we have uh, group members in the Northwest, and they are pretty tickled about all the tomato stuff going on because their tomatoes don't come in, you know, for another two or three weeks. Uh, But I accidentally set off a Facebook furor over tomato sandwiches. It was an accident. Uh, I took picture a picture of my fixings. I had a bottle of Duke's mayonnaise. I had white bread. I had my tomatoes. I had uh, Malden sea salt and some basil and beautiful sliced farmer's market tomatoes. And so I put out a post and said, this, these are my favorite ingredients for a tomato sandwich. How about yours? Yeah. And as of last night, there had been over 100 likes, but even uh, more telling, there were 124 comments. And I will not rehash the mayonnaise wars again, especially with you. <laughs> I know you're a Hellman's man. That's right. But there's a lot of passion out there about tomato sandwiches. Well, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, the, the humble tomato sandwich garners 124. How many comments? There were 124 of last night, but they're still they're still coming in. It just goes to show you that people are passionate about their tomato sandwiches. Right well, are, are you a Wonder Bread uh, type guy or do you... Do you use a sturdier bread for your sandwich? I do not use Wonder Bread. Uh, I did as a child grow up eating white bread. I have no real problem with it. I just prefer uh, a good, solid, multi-grain bread. Uh, I like the uh, Sugar Buster from Broad Street a lot. Uh, I like the, um, I think it's, I can't forget the name of the bread that I get from Whole Foods uh, that's multi-grain, but I, I prefer a little. You're talking about bread. Killer Dave's, I bet. Yeah, well, that's one Killer of the ones Dave's, I use. Yeah. But I, I like I, I I do not use white bread. I do use uh, Hellman's mayonnaise, and I do use salt and pepper. Uh, I do not put basil on mine, but I have no problem with people who do. Well, that's good because I'm one of those people. As I uh, as I understand, and so. about fifty of the responders were like horrified that people were not using homemade mayonnaise. Yeah, I understand that. There are a lot of people who think it's the best and I, I, you know, we don't make homemade mayonnaise here. I have no problem with it. I like it. Uh, I'm just as happy as I can be with a jar of Hellman's. Uh, And also I love a good bacon, tomato and mayo sandwich, which I fixed. Uh, Lettuce is fine, but uh, if it's not good, fresh, locally grown lettuce, I I don't really put it on my sandwich. Well, I took the tomatoes um, out many times this weekend. I mean, I did tomato toast. I did uh, tomato gravy, Mm. which I thought about you because I know you do a real slow-cooked tomato gravy. So we had tomato gravy and biscuits. And tonight I'm going to do... Stuffed tomatoes with spinach. So there you go. Oh, boy. I love a good stuffed tomato with uh, 
chicken salad or shrimp salad or uh, uh, crab salad um, or tuna salad. So it's that time of year. It is. You, you know, everything goes with tomatoes and uh, we there's good uh, as they can be grown on earth right here uh, in Mississippi. Smith County gets a lot of hype around tomatoes and uh, uh, watermelons and vegetables. But uh, I, I think uh, I think the Mississippi soil is just very conducive to yeah. growing uh, a great tomato. And it's good for growing a lot of squash because when you go to a market, squash is taken over right now. Yeah, squash is everywhere except at my house where my plants are only about uh, four yeah. inches tall. But they'll they'll be coming in soon. I tell you, Robert St. John tells a funny story about growing his own squash. Uh, <laughs> I've heard it a thousand times. He was going to grow it for his restaurants, and it it overcame him. Maybe we'll get him to talk about that yeah. later. As he will be on the show uh, to talk about Extra Table. Malcolm, Mona Nicholas brought me the most wonderful squash dish on Friday. She uh, grew up around Vicksburg and had been over there visiting friends. And from a wonderful Lebanese cook whose name she did not pass on, she brought me the most beautiful stuffed squash. And it was a, it's a Lebanese dish. I believe it's called kusa. And it's stuffed stuffed with ground meat and mint and garlic and rice, and it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like a stuffed pepper, which most of us grew up on. So, uh, yeah, you know, a good uh, stuffing can be put in most any vegetable that can can contain it, but a stuffed squash, a stuffed tomato. Uh, a stuffed pepper. I mean, it's just that time of year, you know. Have you ever made uh, Judy Reed from from Greenville? Have you ever made her squash casserole? It's Julia Reed's mom. I have not. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, I will. Uh, it's even it even made it to the New York Times cooking website. But the the squash is very finely chopped you know some some casseroles have uh, a sliced squash and this one has a really processed uh, squash and of course there are Ritz crackers involved there's a lot of cheese involved what about butter there is some butter there is some garlic and there is some heavy whipping cream all the oh, right boy. ingredients but when Julia was living in New Orleans and entertained which she did often her mother would be in charge of the squash casserole and she would drive down from Greenville with like six or seven nine by 13 uh, pans of the squash casserole. But I'm going to post it. I'm going to get Java to okay. post it today. And I'm going to also post uh, Robert St. John's baked shrimp and squash, which is phenomenal. Now, does and he use the patty pan? No, he he uses just regular squash because he was probably using it up. But I am going to post uh, my patty pan shrimp and squash casserole. Yeah, now that's you remember, a, that, you remember that from the old days. I know it. I know it well. We used to prepare it a lot in Past Christiane uh, when y'all had that home down there, and we would have a get together. But I love the shrimp and patty pan squash uh, recipe. All right, we got a caller. Yeah, uh, Malcolm and Carol, we do have a caller, and it is uh, Tom from New Albany, and he wanted to come in about the tomato sandwiches like everybody else. Oh, <laughs> hey, Tom, what's up? Uh, 
the cost of living, blood pressure, the normal things. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, you're mispronouncing it. It's mater, not tomato. Oh, oh sorry yeah. about that, Tom. Well, that's okay. It's it's kind of a, a hard thing, though, to enjoy a tomato sandwich when most of the time they're being stole green to be fried up first. Yeah. Uh, but as a uh, as growing up, I was always being given it on the white bread, and then eventually, you know, Mom got health conscious in the '80s and threw in the wheat bread. But I always found that if you uh, if you pop it in the toaster on like a really light setting, like a two, and just just not even brown it, just enough crisping, then your mayo, homemade or otherwise, and your tomato juice won't soak it up and make it a gush. Right. But as 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 my more of a half century has passed, I have learned that a really good mayo on one side and a little good homemade mustard on the other with about a half-inch slab of tomato on a ciabatta roll. Now, that's oh. a tomato sandwich. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, you're that's putting, fancy. You are fancy. You're putting mustard on a, a tomato sandwich? Well, I, I discovered this stuff that you can find at some grocery stores, and it's called uh, Shotgun... Let's see, wait a minute. What's his name? Uh, Shotgun Sid's Gunpowder Seasoning. And (laughs) between that, a little of that, a little bit of yellow mustard with just a shot in your choice, you can have A1 or 57, just a little, and blend it. Put that on one side of the bread. And then Mm. I I use either... uh, I've run through the gamut. I've used Dukes and Hellman's and Blue Plate. Uh, you know, but a real mayo. Unfortunately, growing up, what they called mayo was Miracle Whip, which is not a mayo. Right. No, uh, not at all. Yeah, but my mom still says, "Give me the mayonnaise," and I go look at where. You know, there is none. There's Miracle Whip. Is that what you want? You know. But anyway, um, but yeah, I smear that on there, and then with that half inch slab, and we were we were growing beef steaks and better boys, and we're talking the tomato would be as big as the bread. So, there you go. You, you knock that half-inch thick slab in there, and, of course, on a ciabatta roll, it actually hangs over the side. But that's, that's right. the good part. You get to eat around the edge like old bologna sandwiches. Eat that up first before you bit through the bread. But uh, well, I'm really enjoying listening to all of these uh, recipes and stuff, and uh, I just hope you all can go another 50 years with it at, uh, up there at MPP. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Happy 50th anniversary to MPB Think Radio. Thanks, Tom, for calling in from New Albany. And you heard it first right here on Deep South Dining. You toast your bread before you make your tomato sandwich so that you can avoid the the, the legendary gush. Don't want gush. Now it's time for a break. When we come back, we will talk to Robert St. John from Extra Table. One of the great nonprofits providing food to food pantries all across Mississippi. So stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Good morning. You are tuned to Deep South Dining here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett, and this is the show all about the culture, 
of Southern Flavor. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Malcolm. I'm still thinking about tomato sandwich gush. Oh, I know. Well, you heard it first right here on Deep South Dining. You toast the bread lightly before you make your tomato sandwich. And in Tom's case in New Albany, you use a ciabatta bread, but the point is to avoid the gush. But see, a lot of people use Wonder Bread and that soft white bread just so they can get gush. So you're either gush-free or gushy. I I guess it's another category of tomato sandwich people. Well, Carol, have you done any checking up on your uh, CSAs since uh, last week? I know that the community-supported agriculture boxes are uh, available. I know you've done a little research on that. Well, I did not actually get one this week because, oh, no, I waited too late. Okay. I was going to order from Salad Days, and you have to place your order on Tuesday. And this is just testimony to the strength of you know, how many people out there are wanting boxes. And it, it's not that you have to place your order by Tuesday, but when, when it opens up, when the list comes out on Tuesday, it's been sold out within the day. So I think all the CSAs are experiencing, you know, during the pandemic, right. a great volume. It's a great thing, great thing for Mississippi. And speaking of positive things that go on, that have been going on during the pandemic Uh, extra table uh, headed up by the one and only Robert St. John is going great guns. And Robert, I think you're on the phone. I hope you are. Thanks for joining us, buddy. I'm here. How are y'all? We're great. Yeah. Robert, you've got a lot going on with opening restaurants, you know, feeding people in your restaurants, then feeding food insecure people all over the state. So um, have you had any time to sleep yet? (laughs) I just it's funny you said that i'm I'm a fairly uh, energetic guy and uh, I am maybe for the I don't know if it's my age or everything that's been going around but I, I called my wife Jill about 30 minutes ago I said I am tired I said this is crazy it's 8:30 in the morning and I'm already tired so I'm not I'm not used to this feeling I'm, uh, maybe I need to get more sleep I'm not sure but I, I like <laughs> I like having a lot of irons in the fire that's kind of how uh how uh, life goes uh, in this part of the world for me. I, li- I like yeah. it that way. Are you uh, still mainstreaming Mountain Dews? <clears throat> no, no. I've gotten off soft drinks about three or four years ago. I'm, I'm, I drink a, I drink about a, a gallon of tea a day, maybe though. So a lot of water and a lot of tea. Try not to uh, do the uh, carbonated stuff. Yeah, you know, Robert, I gave them up about. I guess it's a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Uh, I drink a little bit of soda water, but I right. gave up the soft drinks. And uh, and I know you love the smell of coffee, but you do not drink the coffee. That's it. When I, yeah, one day when I grow up, I'm going to be a coffee drinker. I, I think uh, <laughs> I like, you're right. I like the smell of it. I like the thought of it. You know, I like to to hold a warm cup in my hand. I just don't like the taste of, of coffee. I've about every two or three years, I'll go. Well, maybe you know, maybe now's the time, and I'll take a sip, and I'm. Eh, it still tastes like coffee. I'm not. And I'll wait till you so. grow up. But um, Robert, <laughs> for the past few weeks, we've been given an update on Extra Table. Uh, I usually call Martha right before we go on the air. Right. Who your executive director, Martha Allen, and she, you know, she has told us one day we called and y'all were breaking down 
2,000 pounds of rice into one-pound bags, and the next day you were breaking down 1,000 pounds of king mackerel. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of our listeners called and said we had missed the opportunity to call it holy mackerel. But um, <laughs> tell us what you're doing and who you're serving and how things are going. Yeah, so Extra Table has really, uh, typically over the last 10 years, we've had a pretty defined, easy uh, system and mission where we raise money. We use that money to buy food wholesale in bulk. We partner with food service distributors and have them inventory and deliver it for us. So it's a pretty uh, easy system. Uh, since the uh, this COVID pandemic happened, We've kind of modified that a little bit and uh, worked uh, within, uh, there's been a lot of, you probably uh, heard, I mean, we cleaned out the Beau Rivage Casino, the Hard Rock Casino, and uh, one other down there, and just got all of their perishables and started delivering it. So we we kind of started delivering food, and, the, and, that, and that grew, and we still use our food service partners, but, I mean, we're, we're, we partner with, uh, with Borden and are delivering like 10,000 gallons of milk a week right now to uh, over 40 different uh, of our partner agencies across the state. We're really the only people right now who have rice. There's a major rice shortage, but we're we're distributing 12,436 pounds of of rice, so that's a lot of packing into one pound bags. Uh, and so, Robert, does that all come from uh, up there in Sumner, or are you getting your rice from several different sources? There's several sources. Mike Wagner obviously is is a is a huge resource for us. He's a great guy. He's on our board as well, and and he's one of these kind of guys like. When the tornado came through this area, whenever that was, two months ago, seems like two years ago at this point, but two two months, I mean, he he just drove down with like a thousand pounds of rice to 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 give out, and and uh, his company he's, is he's, Two Brooks, right? Two that's Brooks right, Two rice Brooks Rice, and it's available. I think you can probably for folks in the Jackson area, you can get it in Corner Market. Same around here. I'm in Hattiesburg. Uh, but yeah, so we're doing the rice, and and that's why since our mission has changed a little during this crisis, um, you know, volunteers are needed. So anybody that you know, for for ten years, people would call and say we want to volunteer, and you know, we had to explain to them, you know, the the way our system is is pretty simple and easy. We don't even really need volunteers. We're just raising money and and using it to purchase food, get it delivered. But now. Um, we're we're making use of a lot of volunteers, and we've had a great response. So that was last week when they were cleaning those mackerel, and that's what Martha's on the phone today with um, independent uh, seafood and fishermen who are about to where we're about to have a big partnership with them and get into some shrimp and and other fish that we're distributing to all of our our agencies. But um, it's been. <laughs> It's been a uh, a busy, busy, busy time for extra table in the state. And what 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 happened? Um, you know, all of a sudden, all these people lost jobs, and and our agencies would people would come in and say, you know, I used to volunteer here, and and now they were a little embarrassed. You know, I need to I need to be a, a client, and and you know, we tell them nothing to be embarrassed about here. You know, everybody. Uh, 
you know, gets in different situations, but it's uh, most of them increased by about 40% just overnight back in March. Wow. So there's a huge, yeah, huge need out there. Hey, Robert, how can people help? What can they do to donate? Where do you go to do that? Yeah, extratable.org is our website, and there's a place to donate. I mean, you know, if you want to donate five bucks or five hundred bucks, well, every bit of what what the beauty of the extra table model is that one hundred percent of people's donation goes to purchase food. It doesn't go to administrative costs or travel expenses or some kind of office, you know, headquarters or anything. A hundred percent of donations go to purchase food. We have a whole separate board that raises money for the minimal administrative costs we have. So that's um, that's one of the things we planted our flag on from day one. It's one, 100% of the donations for food are going to go to food, and number two, it's always going to be healthy food. So we're fighting you know, food insecurity and, and obesity at the same time. And today, the way we're running, you know, we, we measure in full meals. So today, uh, every dollar will supply four full meals. And so we can we you know we can make good use of uh, people's money. That's really come down. I mean, when we first started, you know, just getting out, I think it was a dollar for a full meal. Now we can we can get four meals out of that. Robert, we appreciate that update on extra table, and we want our listeners to know that you can get involved and be helpful with this great nonprofit. Have you got time to give us a quick uh, update on all your restaurants uh, sure. down in Hattiesburg? Sure, sure. We um. We uh, have six restaurants and two bars uh, that are that are typically open. Right now, we have three restaurants that are open in the dining room. Uh, that's Ed's Burger Joint, uh, which has a lot of outside dining as well. Crescent City Grill, kind of our flagship, and um, and then Tabella, our Italian restaurant. Tabella never closed during the during the whole time. They they stayed doing curbside. And we stayed pretty busy, fed a lot of hospital workers and things like that. Um, the Midtowner, our uh, breakfast-lunch concept, is probably going to be the last to reopen. And it'll be after um, Fourth of July sometime. So it's a little... Okay. Um, as you know, the restaurant business right now is not the best time to be in the restaurant business. It's a good good time to be in the grocery store business or the or the hand right. sanitizer business, not necessarily uh, the, the restaurant business. But uh, we're you know we're doing what we can. We did a uh, I, as soon as this thing hit, I did a mass filing with the state for unemployment because that was that was my main concern. Is we ha- we have three hundred employees, and I just wanted to make sure. They were all taken care of, and and uh, we've you know made sure and, and done that. And there's a, you know, we're trying to walk that fine line now of <clears throat> giving people hours and trying to get people back to work without them losing uh, all these unemployment benefits they're getting nowadays, all the way through July 31st. And there's one thing I think that hadn't been uh, said enough. Uh, about three weeks ago, when the governor increased that uh, work share amount, about $200, was a huge move. And I think it went pretty unnoticed uh, in the general public. But to to 
fill in people who may not know, you could in the in the state of Mississippi. Sorry, it's my phone. In the state of Mississippi, you could work if your maximum benefit was two hundred and thirty-five dollars. You could work up to two hundred and thirty-four dollars and not lose that benefit. And of course, you're getting six hundred dollars from from the Fed through July thirty-first. So there, so eight eight thirty-five was the max, and there were a lot of people that just kind of wanted to stay home and uh, right. And right. when the governor increased that state amount by two hundred dollars, which went up from two thirty five to four thirty five they didn't receive four thirty five but they could work up until four hundred and thirty five dollars and that brought a lot of people back to work made a big difference, so we kind of walked that tight wire we don't want to be uh, in a place where we're you know having to call and say, "Look, we offered this guy a job, and they don't want to come back we We would never do that." To where they would lose their unemployment, but we're trying to work with people, and so that's that's the biggest challenge I think going forward are, are two things. One is the labor market right now, which is always tight, but then secondly, uh, you know people are people are scared. They're a little uh, a little hesitant, a little worried about you know getting out there. So we you know we we're employing all the safe practices that the state. Uh, mandates and and we're you know taking care of that all right robert man we appreciate your time we'll let you get back to it Uh, good luck with both extra table and all your restaurants and bars down in hattiesburg it's always great to hear from robert st john we're going to take a break here Uh, but this wednesday we want to remind everybody that mpb tv will air a documentary entitled fertile ground And it will take a a deep dive into the food insecurity that is going on in Mississippi here in the capital city. When we come back, we're going to talk to the directors of the film. So stay tuned. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is the old Kroger on Terry Road, my second job. Uh, there's a side parking lot over there. Like, kids would hang out over there and the police wouldn't really bother them too tough. Like, it was a community, right? Like, this was this was one of the good things in South Jackson at that time. That's just what it was. Like, it wasn't like people stopped coming. It was a grocery store here, and then they told us that the grocery store was leaving. What happens in South Jackson is what happens everywhere, right? Like, you have white flight, and then you have economic flight. And then after you have that, then it just gets abandoned. Some communities are, are deemed better than others or more valuable than others. Uh, those people kind of get to keep access to food. They don't give poor black people access to, to healthy institutions. Like, that's just not what working class and poor black people get in America. Welcome back to Deep South Dining here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Malcolm White with Carol Puckett, and you just listened to a clip from the documentary entitled Fertile Ground, which will premiere this Wednesday, 7 p.m., right here on MPB television. And on the line, we are fortunate today to have the producers and the director of the film, Robbie Piantanata and Alex Warren. Thanks for joining us, guys, and talking about Fertile Ground. 
Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Glad to be on. Uh, It's a beautiful piece of film, uh, but a heartbreaking story for sure. And uh, we appreciate both of you uh, coming on the show to talk about your work. I I know that, uh, Alex, you're from Terry, Mississippi. And uh, as I understand it, Robbie, you've lived in Mississippi off and on, though you are currently located in California. Yes, I was there for about 10 years. Well, tell us about the film and the work. Yeah, so Fertile Ground is um, an organization in Jackson um, that is uh, – so the documentary is part of the city of Jackson's effort to inform and encourage uh, citizens and businesses and leaders to promote sustainable and ethical food policies in Mississippi. What we're learning is uh, that the city has only around – 20 grocery stores, many of them lack fresh produce, Uh, less than 5% of them contain locally grown fresh produce, and it's not just a local problem. You're seeing this all over the news nationally, where typical low-income neighborhoods have, you know, somewhere around 30% fewer supermarkets than higher-income neighborhoods, Um, and it's not just urban areas. Food deserts are common in rural areas, so geography, poverty, and race matter when it comes to having conversations about healthy food options and where we get our food from. Uh, There's so many different levels of the food conversation. So Fertile Ground is a documentary that kind of takes a deep dive, as you were saying, uh, into some of those, uh, into some of those touching points, um, urban design and infrastructure, you know, um, food options and white flight, fast food convenience, uh, hunger, food in schools. We kind of uh, had a limited timeline of making a short film for broadcast, uh, and each of those topics could have, you know, were deserved of a movie in and of themselves. It's such a a big topic. Um, So we were very fortunate, Robbie and I, to be able to join with Salam and Travis at Fertile Ground to work with uh, local activist and producer Josephus Martin um, to work with some of the great people even at MPB uh, that were on our team making this. And I think it was a great learning experience for us and one that we're hoping to take into some sort of action. And the Fertile Ground Project uh, is a small part of a larger uh, grant that was given the city of Jackson uh, by the Bloomberg Foundation. It's a million dollar grant to look at uh, food insecurity and and through issues through the lens of food uh, in the Jackson community. Yeah, that's right. So Fertile Ground won what was called the Public Art Challenge, um, and it was designed to strengthen communities like Jackson um, with moving works of art that highlight complex problems like the food issue um, and foster public discussion about solutions. So taking the platform of art to use that as a common ground for people to discuss ways that we can move forward, you know. So Fertile Ground does that. Um, they tell the story of a city that has very few healthy options for food. Um, it's also the story of people like, you know, like Marilyn Mumba, like the artists and farmers and the urban planners and the local leaders that you'll see in the film who are doing their best to create new opportunities to, you know, deliver better options. Um, and especially now as coronavirus proves to be especially dangerous for those of us with underlying health conditions, um, and as, as African-American communities suffer the highest death rates, Fertile Ground kind of takes on this, this new power and urgency. The film was completed by us uh, right as the pandemic was starting. 
and we've actually kind of uh, recognized even more uh, depth to the problem because of this. So, yeah. Alex um, yeah. and Robbie, this is Carol Puckett, Malcolm's co-host, and congratulations on a beautiful, beautiful film. We were Malcolm and I were lucky to get to preview it, but my question is, how did you guys become a part of the film, and um, who who was the team that pulled this all together? Well, we so we uh, we got involved because um, we had two uh, people that were working already with the team on social media and um, and some photography, and um, I had I had worked on uh, several. Uh, projects for the Midtown kind of art community back in the day. And uh, Tyler Tadlock was doing the social media and the design for the project. He and I worked along with uh, Aaron Phillips a lot, who was our director of photography. And so we kind of had a, a group that had already worked together in the past, and we jumped on this as a new sort of project and all kind of all hands on deck. And then we had um, Skip Kuhn or uh, Josephus Martin, uh, known as a, a rapper and activist in the community. He's also a filmmaker as well. So he came in and helped produce and was also in the film in the grocery section that you guys heard earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, we I just have... I think that you know you guys are living in California, but it was really obvious that your Mississippi heart shone through this work, and I hope everybody will tune in Wednesday night uh, to see this. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited about the possibilities of the legs that it can kind of form in the community and the conversations that can come on the heels of it, and not just conversations. We're looking to to kind of address issues that we see as, as real problems for Mississippi, like the grocery tax. Um, we're one of three right. states in the country that have a grocery tax on top of sales tax, and this is really bad for low-income families and the food that they need. So we're trying to take real uh, stances uh, using this documentary as a place to question and investigate pieces of our system that just aren't working for everyone. Yeah. Well, Robbie, uh, we, you and Alex, we really appreciate y'all taking the time to call us today and be on Deep South Dining. And we're very proud of the work that you've done. We look forward to the premiere uh, this Wednesday, 7 p.m. on MPB television of the Fertile Ground document, the documentary. And it, it covers such a wide uh, expanse of issues from transportation uh, to, to the food system, to convenience, uh, the grocery tax, which you mentioned, the lack of love. Uh, and we're really looking forward to not only continuing this conversation, but seeing this art piece that airs on MPB Wednesday night, 7 p.m., uh, right here on MPB television. But now we're going to take a break. Uh, that'll be our last one of the hour. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're going to talk about summer vegetables. We're going to talk about the documentary. We're going to talk about our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping, Gathering Around the Virtual Dinner Table. And we hope that you will come back and rejoin us. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. You are tuned to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Happy 50th anniversary to MPB. I'm Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. This is our last segment of the day. We have really enjoyed uh, having Robert St. John from Extra Table on the show. The documentary filmmakers, uh, Robbie and Alex, called in uh, from Fertile Ground. But now we've got some callers, and we'd like to, if we could, bring Donna calling in all the way from Florida to talk to us about summer vegetables and maybe even some okra. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, my friends. How are you all doing up north? We, we are just fine, and we are so happy to hear from you. Well, I'm so happy to hear your voice because I feel like we've had a visit. My daughter and I put up two bushels of lady peas while we've been down here, but we also, in just a desperate search to try something new, got an air fryer. So we did squash chips. Mm. Wow. And they're thin sliced and put a little dust, pretty good dusting of flour or whatever you want, cornmeal flour mix, and put a lot of seasoning, stick it in the air fryer for probably six minutes, turn them over, and they are delicious. You know we love anything fried. We will eat a stick if it's fried. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been wanting to try an air fryer, too. I don't know where I would put it, but that that's quite a testimony. But I have to say... I've been, I was thinking about you uh, last week because your mom, Lois Kennedy, was the greatest okra fryer of all times, and I tried my first batch of fried okra in her memory, and it was, it was, you know, not hers, but it was pretty good. Well, she had a good, what, I'd say 60 years of experience in getting the fried okra to be perfection. And she was really the best Southern cook I ever, ever got under the table with. And she sat under her table. She just, she thought 15 dishes was a normal dinner meal. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I, I was thinking about her okra, it seemed like, did she use just baby okra or just part? Her seems so small. You know, I don't know. I think she mainly got went to the farmer's market and tried to get the freshest, probably nothing big, because big okra doesn't do well frying. But I'm sure she tried to get the freshest, probably smaller ones, because they're the easiest to do. And she had a little crust on it, and they're very bitter, though. Well, I tossed mine in buttermilk. I I texted you uh, before I did this, but... I found some recipes and people tossed it in buttermilk and egg or buttermilk and egg white, but I just moistened it with buttermilk, uh, like you told me, and then put it in cornmeal, and I was pretty proud of it. I know. I think it's pretty great. They're little bitty nuggets of goodness. Yeah. And you know, I don't even use a wash on mine because the okra itself has so much water 
or, or, or fluid in it. I just roll it in cornmeal, season it, and put it in a black skillet with some oil. And uh, I just go cornmeal, okra, oil. Uh, but I do know a lot of people use a wash, and, and I think that's great as well. I'm always in the in the uh, trial of trying to find more crust, more crust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just glad we have a venue in life where we can talk about okra and have three different opinions. This is it's better than politics. Okra and mayonnaise. Certainly, well, we do love our okra. You know, okra. The, uh, it's the West African word for okra is gumbo, and we all know that it's great fried. It's great as a thickener in a soup or a gumbo or a stew. It is fabulous stewed with fresh tomatoes. I love it boiled and slimy, and I just don't think there's any way to mess up a good piece of okra. Yeah. Well, Donna, we thank you for calling, and that was a great hot tip on the air fryer. I know. Yeah. I'm so- to hear your voices. It makes me happy to start off a Monday morning. Thanks, Donna. Good to hear from you. And you know, a vegetable, uh, an item this time of year, Carol, that no one has talked about yet on this on this segment, is the stuffed squash flower. You know, when the squash makes the big flower. No, where can have you, you buy have you ever stuffed those? Yes, but where can you buy squash blossoms here? I, bet I don't it, know. It I, I would imagine uh, if you're growing them you have an option to take the blossom or wait till it turns to squash. I may be naive. I don't know. I'm sure it is Malcolm, but of course you were an urban gardener. That's right. Now, do we still have James on the phone from Wiggins? Yes. Oh, Hey James. Um, I just wanted to comment on, uh, the bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. Yes, sir. Um, about three or four weeks ago, y'all had somebody on there named Mr. Benton. You know, Benton. Uh, Benton's bacon. Up in Tennessee. Yes. Yep. Anyway, I got, I got to thinking about it. I said, I'm going to order some of that. So I ordered some ham and some bacon from him. Let me tell you something about that bacon. Good Lord. <laughs> Make you slap your mama. Ordering more of it. That is good stuff. I mean, that, that's the best smoked bacon I ever tasted. But uh, if you take that and you make a bacon lettuce tomato sandwich with that, oh, that is just about as close as you're going to get to heaven on this earth, I mean. Well, brother, I hear you. Uh, there's nothing like good bacon, and Benton's uh, is some of the best in the United States of America, if not in the world. And if you got fresh tomatoes and Benton bacon, who cares what kind of bread you use? Who cares about the goosh? Just get with it. Just get with it. And James, I just want to give you a shout out for supporting our small producers like Alan Benton, who have really struggled in this time when 90-something percent of their business is restaurants. So thank you. You did a good thing, and you got to eat some good stuff. Well, bacon's th- bacon, my boy, that been bacon. Let me tell you, it's different. It is smoked, I mean. <laughs> well, James, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you calling, and particularly calling from my old home stomping grounds of Stone County. I grew up in Wiggins and Perkinston, and it's always good to hear from the home folks. Carol, we got to work on our stuffed squash flowers, and yeah, we got to work on our okra. we got a lot to do between now and next week. I, I know. I've I've got to come up with some new squash recipes because it's everywhere. 
You know, I just love uh, sautéed squash with onions, and and I'll add a little tomato to that also, right at the end to sort of to tighten up the uh, juices and to give it that sort of red, beautiful uh, tomato flavor. So I'll go squash, onions, uh, oil, butter, sauté, reduce. And sometimes put a little bacon in there, sometimes put a little olive oil in there, and then throw those tomatoes in right at the end and let it merge with the squash and the onions. Well, you know, we didn't even get to peas today. I think we need to put it up, beans and peas, on our list for, for, you know, for next week. Well, Donna mentioned the uh, lady peas, and Lord knows there's a cult around lady peas. Yes, and my there- wife, Kara, is a member of that. She loves lady peas. As soon as they come to the farmer's market, she's down there. She's buying extras. She's freezing them. She's making them every which way in salads and making peas and pea soup. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, the lady pea. All right. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by the cool and current Java Chapman. Co-host Carol Puckett and I appreciate you tuning in. We want to thank our guests today. I'm Malcolm White. Stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy at 11 a.m. But please join us next Monday at 9 a.m. for Deep South Dining and every Monday right here on MPB Think Radio.